Well, good morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we hear a word from the Lord this morning. We have a short, short reading from Proverbs chapter 27. I had uh, I always practice standing as we read the word of the Lord together as a church. And there was an older lady in the last church I was at who used to tell me, it's not the standing that bothers me and it's not the sitting that bothers me. It's the in-between. I feel the same way if you started a workout resolution this week. So we're going to stand and sit, and then we're going to listen, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to sing Proverbs chapter 27. Let's take a deep breath and prepare to hear the word of the Lord. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Will you pray with me? Father, we've heard your word this morning, these ancient words. They have transcended time. They come to us from so many millennia before, and their truth is as true today as it was then. Father, we come to be reflective this morning. We also come to be resolute. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit will be active among us, that the words that we hear the story that we partake in of your son Jesus, that it may convict us if needed, it may encourage and support us if needed, that you will be active here. It's through your spirit, the son we pray. Amen. And you can sit down, be in between. No groaning while you do. My name is Brandon Moore. I'm the spiritual formation pastor here at the church. Brooks is on his way back from Israel where he spent a few weeks taking a tour over there. One of the things that happens when I preach that I get a lot, a little less, less so now, is people are always like, man, you are so young to be preaching. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. But I just want to say that as of this morning, I have lived in five decades, two centuries, and two millennia. So I am ancient. And I come with ancient wisdom this morning. Okay, I know technically that's not true, but it's still fun to say, right? You know, I don't know about you, but... Anytime the calendar rolls over, especially these big days, like 2010, 2020, you know, we're, we're celebrating the anniversary of Y2K. Have you thought about that? The 20th anniversary of it. And you guys survived? And, and it, but for me, it's always this moment of, yes, there's the resolutions. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But, but more, it's the reflections over the last 10 years, let's say, the last 20 years, wherever you're at in your life. But you look back on this last decade and where where you were to start 2010. How is that different than where you are this morning to start 2020? Is it different? And I, I know to start 2010, Kim and I have been married a couple years and I was ready to go into full-time ministry for the first time and we were getting ready to set on this grand adventure out to Montana to work on a church out there. And then now, 10 years later, and here I am in Springfield, Illinois, excited to be on this great adventure in ministry. And I think about the difference and the changes that happens and how you're constantly adjusting to that. Last night we had some friends over and we were laughing about getting used to being back in Illinois. 
I used to, when we lived in Montana, I was so excited anytime I would come across somebody that was wearing like anything that had Illinois on it. Okay, it could be like, if it was, a, especially if it was like a Cardinals thing or even a Cubs thing or, or maybe if it was a University of Illinois t-shirt or whatever, I would like in a restaurant get up and go talk to them and be like, are you from Illinois? And, and one of the things that's hard adjusting is when you've lived in Montana for like 10 years like we did and then you come back here. And so I'm at high B, and I see this person in a U of I t-shirt and I forget where I am. And I'm like, hey, are you from Illinois? <laughs> like, what? Who is this guy? I'm the new pastor at the church down the street. <laughs> but like all this change that happens, all this change that happens, and we move so fast, but we need to take a moment sometimes and just reflect on not where we are, but who we are. The Proverbs that we read, we read it in the NIV, but I want to I offer my own translation. This is just a real, uh, this is the way the text reads originally, if you want to throw that up for me. As water to the face is to the face. Now, there's no mirrors in the ancient world when this is written, circa 2000 BC, okay? There's no mirrors, so the way you find a reflection is what you look in water, especially still water. And so, as water to the face is to the face... So the heart to the man is to the man. And we look, you can, you can look in a mirror and you can see your reflection. Whether you like it or not, that's your reflection. And what the author here is telling us is our real character, our real quality, what makes up who we are. There's no amount of makeup we can use to cover it. There's no facade we can put on. We can uh, set up our our social media profiles and we can take the best selfie we can and take it five or six or seven times and get it right before we post it up for the world to see. And we can talk about all the changes we've gone through in the last 10 years of our life. And look, my hair's shorter than it was 10 years ago and my collar lays different, all these different things. But at the core, the the part that we cannot hide, we cannot discuss, this core part of our nature is our heart. That's really what makes up who we are. My daughter's three. In the last couple weeks, she has realized that her heart makes a noise. It's awesome. And sometimes she will say, Daddy, my heart is dancing. I know, right? I love her. Oh, man, I love her so much. And like she says, come and listen to it. And so for all these years, she sat in my lap and she's laid her head on my heart. But now I sit and I get down low and I put my head against her heart. The quality of who she is. That's what we reflect on, isn't it? And maybe you've moved up in what vehicles you've owned or the size of the houses that you have. Or maybe you've accomplished a lot and you've put all these things together over the last decade. But at the core part of who we are what matters is the change that happens where at the heart level and I can assure you this the heart is where Jesus will always meet you he has no time for the rest of these things we think are so important Jesus always 
encounters us at the heart. I want, I want to look at a story of an encounter with Jesus from the Gospel of Mark. If you'll turn with me over to Mark chapter 10 this morning. And go ahead and get, this is the uh, full, what you see up on the slide is as much of the text as you are going to see on the slide this morning. Some of you are smiling because you know you're getting used to me at this point. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's some in the seats that are right in front of you. You can grab one of those out. But I know sometimes it can be hard to find your way around into. So if you have your smartphone, I encourage you to get it out. Go ahead and make make sure the sound is off. And then Google Mark 10. And you will find a bunch of different things that pop up. We will be in the NIV version as I read through this morning. But you can join me in whatever version comes up there. I want you to see because we've got to note some of the details. Verse 17 is where we're going to start. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Where do those commandments come from? That's the Old Testament law. These are the Ten Commandments. This is a a faithful man of the covenant, and he's running up, and Jesus is saying, you know the law. You know the commandments, and he spouts them off, and, and the The young rich ruler says, Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go. Wouldn't it be best if I just stopped there? We just put a period in? Maybe be easier for us to all hear this text this morning? Just go. Go do what your heart desires. What, oh, what's the three-dot thing called? Ellipsis? Is that right? Yeah. Instead of a period, we'll put three dots. Fill in the blank. Go. Be the best version of you. Go. Explore new worlds. Now go. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then... Come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, A disciple is simply a student of Jesus. A disciple is a student. Jesus is the teacher. He's called that twice here. And a disciple is anybody who's listening and trying to follow the teaching of Jesus. So Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, maybe you've heard interpretations or explanations about like, a gate around Jerusalem that, came, that was called the eye of the needle and a camel had to get down on his knees. That, that's not what Jesus... Jesus is not saying any of that stuff. What Jesus is saying here is that it is impossible. A camel will never fit through the eye of a needle. I can't even get a piece of thread to fit through an eye of a needle. It will never happen. That's how hard it is. It's impossible. 
And the disciples were even more amazed. And they said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looks at them and he said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up and he said, We've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times much in this present age. Homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, all with, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. It's quite a convicting passage, isn't it? So what is it? This guy that Jesus says himself, that it says Jesus looked at in love. This guy comes running up to him and he falls on his knees like the place that he should be before Jesus. And he says, teacher, you know, what is it about that makes it so difficult for this man to receive the kingdom of God? Well, it begins with the initial heart level, doesn't it? You can see the heart right there in 17. Verse 17, good teacher, he asked, what must I do, I do, to inherit eternal life? What do I have to accomplish to get in? What rule do I have to follow perfectly to get in? I, I wrote this reflection thing over the last decade, this last 10 years reflection. I'm on Twitter and I follow, I don't know, a bunch of different people in all different categories. And one of the things that started happening in November, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but these um, people, uh, social media celebrities and authors and other people started posting on all their accomplishments of the last decade uh, Braden pulled a few of these to throw up on slides for me. So I, I want to show you just a couple tweets here this morning. This is Joey. I don't know Joey, but somebody I don't know that I follow knows Joey and follows Joey, and they retweeted. I don't know how it works. Anyway, MMA, this is all the things of the last decade. He was an, he's an MMA fighter. He had an MMA fight, and then he competed at the Euros eight times, competed at the Worlds three times, and then he traveled a ton. He's the British Open two-time champion, Irish Open four-time gold medal, and then all these other things. He finished an honors BA, and he cycled Japan, and he got a job coding games okay and then there's this other this woman that also put hers up and she's like here's my last 10 years I published four novels I donated a kidney to a stranger I launched a bog published two books for writers had my own greeting card line made new friends helped launch a publishing house moved to LA was on TV twice I visited Costa Rica, Iceland, Paris, and I gave up alcohol. What a list of accomplishments. I don't know but about you, but when I read that, I go, oh, man, I did nothing. <laughs> I got out of bed this morning. That's got to count for something. I was thinking, and I pulled two. I pulled two very worldly illustrations. But what saddened me was how many preachers and people in the kingdom of God I saw listing the same things. And I was thinking about if I reflect from a spiritual mindset on the last 10 years of my life, what would I put? I've got a series of tweets that I would put. They might, they might look a little the same. Here's the first one that I would put. I learned that God's grace is sufficient for me. Amen? 
And then the second one I would put, change the slide. Oh, they did change the slide. That's because it would be that I learned that God's grace is sufficient for me. And the third one I would put would once again be what? I learned that God's grace is sufficient for me. And then maybe the fourth one would look like this. I tried it on my own and failed. And that would lead to the last one I would put, which is that I learned that God's grace is sufficient for me. At the heart and the core of the rich young ruler. Don't notice the details. A few of you are starting to. It is not my Twitter handle. Don't follow me at that account. And no, I did not tweet at that time of the morning. At the heart of the rich young ruler is the question first. It's about accomplishment. I just want to make this abundantly clear. There is nothing you can do or accomplish that will get you into the kingdom of God. Not only that, but there is nothing you can do or accomplish that will give you greater status or standing in the kingdom of God. So then how do we enter the kingdom of God? Well, Mark, the author of this gospel story that we're reading, actually tells us, because in the narrative right before the one we've read, beginning of verse 13, you get this wonderful passage. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked him. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. I think we have this imagery on this narrative is it's a Sunday morning church blessing for all the new kindergartners, right? And all the kids come forward and maybe the worship pastor or maybe the pastor stands up front and we kind of like gather them all together and we say a blessing over them, right? Or, or maybe you even go one by one and you can imagine them all lining up and Jesus is like, what's this little girl's name? Okay, I offer my blessing. But that's not what the text says. Pay attention to the details. Details are so important when you read the Gospels. In verse 16, and he took the children where? in his arms I got to hang out with all my brothers and sisters and my parents and all my nieces and nephews over Christmas and one of the great things that we have seven kids in that family now that are under the age of five. Oh, it's so awesome it's also terrible it's frightening scary there's always a diaper that needs change always but it's wonderful too And one of the things you can do at any moment, no matter where you are at, is you could find a kid's book and you could sit down on the couch or any other chair. You could probably even hide in a closet. And if you sat down and had that kid's book, they would find you. And do they come in and sit at your feet? No, come on. Where do they sit? In your lap. And they crawl into your lap. The rich young ruler comes if we're honest with ourselves, like most of us come to Jesus. You know, I'm not sure what happens after I die, but I'd like some security. Is there anything I can do that'll get me into heaven? When Jesus calls us, he calls us to approach like the little children. Come for intimacy with Jesus. Come for presence with Jesus. 
come to just sit upon His lap, to rest in His arms, to be assured that with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. So we we have the reflection of our life. Is that how I've approached Jesus? Is that where I'm at? Maybe you've been convicted this morning and you know you're trying to accomplish it, you're trying to do it on your own, and I would ask you to give that away. Give it up. But there's, there's this thing too where he says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he said, verse 21, one thing you lack, one thing you lack. That's it, just one thing, one thing. I, th- I think the rich young ruler is probably like, sweet, there's only one thing that I still lack? Oh yeah, the one thing is go sell everything and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. See, there's still something that's standing between the rich young ruler's heart and Jesus' heart. There's something in the way, something that has to be discarded. For this rich young ruler, it is his wealth. But there's something that's preventing him from coming like a little child. And that would be my, if we have the reflections of the last 10 years, then maybe we need also resolutions, spiritual resolutions. How many of you made a resolution this to start New Year's? Any New Year's resolutions? A few of us, how many of you still are keeping them as of five days? Yeah, we have a few. All right, the rest of you have just given up on trying, period, right? Maybe this is the spiritual resolution. What stands in your way from intimate relationship with Christ? From real discipleship with Christ? What heart-level thing is there still? I would suggest in affluent American culture that just like the rich young ruler, for many of us, wealth still stands in our way. Maybe it's sexual addiction. Maybe it's self-righteousness. I don't know what it is, what it is in your life this morning. But the blessing Jesus offers, I've preached on this text, I don't know, probably a dozen times, and I'd never really noticed in verse 29 what Jesus says. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied. And then he's going to list a bunch of things that people have left to follow Jesus. In other words, it's things that stood in the way between disciples and Jesus, and the disciples choose to leave those, okay? They leave those things so that they can follow Jesus is what they give up. And he says, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, which is this this statement about wealth, right? No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much when? In the eternal life? No, when? In the present age, he says, right now, right now. You'll receive homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children's and fields. I'll sing about the blessing that is God's church. I've done a couple of funerals in the last two weeks. When I do weddings 
I'm always exhausted and I never want to do another one again. And everybody thinks you should feel the same way about it. But when I do funerals, it's the most spiritual encounter I have with most people in their life and in my life. And one of the things that comes when I do a funeral is I always go home and all the tasks that need to be done, I completely ignore. Because at that moment, when I really have to reflect on life, I choose my wife and my children. And I pick up the phone and I call my mom and my dad and my grandparents. That eternal, what's really there that lasts. And what Jesus says is, you kind of have a taste of that. But if you'll give up all the other stuff that's in the way, I will give you the abundance of what is eternal. In my life, the blessing of church has been, is I have grandmas all over this country. I have hundreds of grandmas, and they all bake me stuff. It's amazing. And it ruins my resolution every year. Like I have grandpas that have taught me so much. So many different men that have served as grandpas in my life. I have brothers and sisters scattered everywhere. And one of my favorite things is I don't think there's a place I could go where if I didn't need a help, I couldn't knock on a door and be welcomed into someone's home. See, God says if you'll get rid of what gets in the way, if you'll get rid of the thing that you think you can use to accomplish my kingdom, if you'll discard that, I will bless you abundantly with what is eternal. So will you take that resolution this year? One step. Choose one thing to discard. One step deeper into intimacy and relationship with Christ. For some of you, it's the first step. It's the giving away of your own life in baptism. It's coming and dying in baptism and coming out of the grave and saying, Jesus is Lord. I want his eternal kingdom for my life. For many of the rest of us, it's one step deeper into church life. We're going to offer a bunch of new things here at Southside in the next few weeks. We're going to kick off our journey groups. We've got new journey groups that are starting. Uh, Let's see if we've got a slide up here somewhere. We've got the sign-ups are going on. The 5th starting today, next Sunday, the Sunday after that. You can sign up online at any time. And we've got groups you can join. But also, I'll just tell you this boldly. Some of you, your next step is you need to host people in your home that need spiritual life and nourishment. I still need more small group, journey group leaders, people who are interested in sharing the gospel and, and connecting people together with the gospel. Maybe it's uh, joining a women's group that you've been a little scared to take that next step to do or a men's group in the same way. Maybe it's our study electives that are launching where we dig into Scripture deeper and we come to a deeper relationship with Christ. Or if you don't know any of these things fit or what you want to do, for the next three weeks, every Sunday night, we're starting something called Everyday Discipleship. And we're going to take one aspect, one dimension of discipleship, and we're going to meet in the community room Sunday nights at 5.30, And all the kids are welcome with us. It's going to be a hodgepodge, a big group. And it's not going to be one person lecturing. It's going to be interactive. How do we practice discipleship in the midst of the mess of our families with grandparents and friends all around us? So if you're looking for a place to plug in, that'll be a great opportunity to come and meet some people in a larger space. Maybe it feels a little safer for you. And then we can get you plugged into different journey groups throughout the church. So those are all all the different things that are going on. So I just want to leave. I I want to end with this, this prayer over you. 
if you'll pray with me. God, it's a scary prayer. May the next 10 10 years, may the next decade, Father, our hearts become nearer to yours. And I just pray for myself personally and anyone who else is there this morning who wants to pray this from their heart with me. I pray that you can give me the courage and the strength to give up anything that is standing away from relationship with you. It's through your Holy Spirit and the Son we pray. Amen.